welcome to The Edge, a podcast for all things leadership and teams. I'm Jenny Miller, founder of Management Dynamics and team coach. And I'm Alison Grieve, also founder of Management Dynamics and also the team coach. Today, we're going to be talking about what we call accelerators and interferences. So an accelerator is anything that speeds up the performance of a team. So anything that kind of makes your team get to high performance faster, to sustain it even longer, any, anything like that would be an accelerator. Whereas an interference is anything which gets in the way of your team's performance. So anything which blocks the performance or slows it down in any way or just, you know, frustrates people in some way, that would that was what we would consider to be an interference. And then we're going to finish off by thinking about how as leaders, we can be both of those things, unfortunately. <laughs> Never intentionally, I would say, or most of the time, not intentionally. No, we hope not, right? Nobody comes to work. Uh, trying to thinking about how they're going to you know, drive their their team mad today or to stop them from performing. Yeah, you know, we all have, I hope, really a literal psychopath, uh, really good <laughs> intentions for our team. And so all of our actions, we intend to to help or to get to the objective that we're all trying to achieve. But sometimes we can get in the way. So how do we maximize the accelerating influence that we can have as leader? And how can we minimise the interference that we can we can um, have on our team's performance as well? Yeah. So shall we start with the interferences, first of all? So the interferences, one of the key ones that I think of is that you see happening a lot is conflict. Yeah. Um, and so people just not having a way of sharing different opinions, voicing ideas, um, speaking up without it offending or upsetting other people. And, you know, people just not being able to have those group discussions um, so that they can maximise the decisions that they're making. And this could be a really big thing in the team. You know, you see, see teams that have had conflicts that have been festering for years. And that might just be between a couple of people in the team. These kind of interpersonal relationships that just don't work and haven't for a long time and have become like the elephant in the room for a team yeah and and then has an impact on the whole dynamic of the team as a result yeah because it does impact the team the team then go oh well they can't sit next to each other or they can't work on this together um and starts to work around this sort of toxic destructive piece of well we won't put them together one time I was working with this person we were running a workshop um, in the same room and they didn't like each other everybody knew they didn't like each other and then we'd done um, an activity where you had to think of a difficult conversation to have and by the end of the workshop they had cleared the air and they'd actually worked out that there were some things they liked about each other and they were going to sit next to each other at work the next day and you think that's been going on for years Mm. and festering as you said and it's so destructive Mm. because nobody has sort of enabled them to find the similarities Mm. that can bring them together. And I think I mean that's quite an extreme example, isn't it? But not unusual. It, it, you know, they might be extreme, but you know, that destructive conflict can be to the point where people aren't speaking to each other anymore, where they refuse to be in the same room as each other or work together. You know, it can be that bad, or at its least, it could just be some really passive aggressive behaviours. Yes, both are really toxic. Yes, you know, one's much more subtle, but still has a similar impact on the team 
and and doesn't feel good and certainly isn't helpful no so it really gets in the way it becomes that real interference in the team but you can also have the same impact by an absence of conflict yeah you know so patrick Lynch only calls it um, artificial harmony which i love <laughs> and it really resonates with teams actually it's this idea of it looks good on the surface you know this team looks like they all get along and nobody ever disagrees with anybody actually that's not good is it you know, not disagreeing with anybody suggests that you're not really having the tough conversations that might need to be had yeah you know you're not you're not debating things you're just agreeing with each other all the time so are you really innovating are you really coming up with new ideas new ways of working probably not no and things might be festering underneath of people thinking hmm I'm not valued I'm not being noticed mm. nobody asks me what I think and the question back is well why didn't you say something? But and they're not. If they're not talking to each other, they're. I bet you they're talking to somebody else about it. Yeah, they'll be talking about it outside <laughs> yeah. of work. So or in yeah. work to the wrong people. Yeah, that's you know, true. It's not. You know. So so this it's happening somewhere. Yeah. It's just not happening where it matters and where people can make a difference. Yeah. To it. And that also causes issues, doesn't it? Because then news gets back and it's like, oh yeah, they're a gossip. They're you know talking about people behind their back, which never has a good impact mm. on the team absolutely yeah so conflict i think is one to really uh, pay attention to you know if you're leading a team that has conflict happening in the team do something about it address it in some way get people together mediate or get get mediation for them if you don't feel like you're the right person to do this if you've got conflict with people in your team you know, sort it out talk about it address it and and especially if there's an absence of conflict because it's not really harmony no. at all you know that the, the same feelings are there as if you've got outright destructive conflict happening so you need to do something about that as well and reframing things as um an idea that there's other information that you haven't understood um or are not getting access to can help with you know getting a view that conflict can actually be a positive thing. It's about sharing different views, ideas, information, so you can make better decisions um, and learn about each other. Yeah. The next one really links to this one around conflict, doesn't it? Which is Mm. having toxic individuals. Usually it's one, right? There's usually one toxic individual in a team. Not every team has one. No, no, but (laughs) (laughs) usually there is. it's one person, isn't it, that kind of stands out as... Uh, I don't want to say different because it's not about difference, although that might, it might be part of that. But it's more about that it's noticeable that they have a personal agenda, for example, yeah. or they've um, got a, a vendetta against one particular person. So a conflict that's that's go- gone on so much that this person has got to the point of, you know, it becoming part of the daily dynamic. Yeah. in the team and it might play out as bullying or harassment yeah. um, and can be really unpleasant yeah. not just for you know the people they're in continuous contact with but for the whole team yeah. and um, sometimes you hear managers saying you know I've had conversations with them and nothing changes and in those situations then the best thing is for that person to leave the team yeah. probably for them as well because Undoubtedly, when you have conversations, and we've both coached those kind of individuals, um, that they're really struggling with the situation in the team and their views, and they need to get out of that environment that's making them behave in such a toxic way. Yeah. And often what we see is teams who've tried for years to resolve the issues with that person, 
to get them to feel be a part of the team and to engage in the team process. Sometimes they are just a lone ranger um, and don't want to collaborate with others. They just want to be left alone. They want to get on their own thing. Why doesn't everybody else just do the same? You know, there's a frustration there on both sides and the difference it makes when that person does, because eventually they do, you know, especially if you are embarking upon a journey of focusing on your performance as a team and the dynamics within it, suddenly it becomes really really obvious what's going on here and often they'll, they'll they'll opt out themselves and move on and find something that's more appropriate for them yeah. um, and the, the difference it makes is huge it does. it's massive the next one's group think yeah um so group think is when everybody just goes along with the same old way of thinking they all agree with each other and you know they can happen because people have worked together for a very long time so they know each other really well um so it's one of the reasons why a bit of turnover is actually quite useful in a team to bring in some breath of fresh air is often the term that people talk about but it kind of shakes things up a little bit to you know destabilize any group think that's going but it makes people feel comfortable it's like oh yeah we're all agreed on this and they might not actually feel empowered or allowed to challenge each other's ideas as well so there could be some psychological safety that's required in the team to build up to battle against groupthink yeah i think it's a real one to watch in teams um it's it's linked to this idea of artificial harmony actually Um, you know this idea that Whenever a decision's made, we make it really easily. We all nod and agree when someone suggests something because actually, you know, we might genuinely think it's a good idea, or we might have something going underneath the surface that you know I, I don't feel safe enough to to say my piece. But I think it's actually probably more dangerous if we all agree all the time on something genuinely, yeah. because actually, you know, how are we how are we making sure we're innovating here? How are we making sure we're making really good decisions? that will stand the test of time you know I think you you don't get that with groupthink no. you just get you tend to get the same thing over and over again and nobody questioning whether we should be doing things differently yeah well it's a bit like being average all the time yeah. isn't it and who wants to be average yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think the other piece that, that can can also be an interference is the stakeholder landscape now not to put blame on stakeholders for the team's um performance because you know that's a very dangerous place to go the teams don't operate in isolation you know they are part of a system they're part of something that's bigger than just the team so there's a system of their key stakeholders other teams that they work with their customers or clients the people that they serve in the organization what you know lots and lots of relationships that they have and what we find actually is can be the issue in teams or the, the interference in a team is not paying enough attention to those stakeholders, not really understanding their world, not spending enough time with them, not asking them enough questions, not putting themselves in their stakeholders' shoes enough and going, yeah. what do they want from us? And what does performance look like to them? And how can I make sure that I'm really adding value to them and that we're maximising this relationship so that we both get the best out of it? Yeah, I think it's really crucial, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, they just don't spend enough time building and maintaining those relationships. And it should be a two way process. They need to understand what their stakeholders are doing, but also update and inform the stakeholders on what's going on in the team. And to the point about conflict, 
challenge back, share ideas about what other things could be possible. Mm. Because maybe the stakeholders have different expectations of what the team could do, but if they've not said what's possible, then it'll be mismanaged. So the management of that ecosystem is really critical yeah. um, and doesn't happen enough. I think those are, that's that's a number of examples of what could be an interference in a team. Your team, maybe, who knows? It, it will, there will be others, of course. <laughs> that's very personal to your team. You know, thinking about what gets in the way of your performance is something that you can do with your team. Having a conversation about that. Yeah. You know, what are our, are our interferences, and how do we minimise them? What action can we take to really minimise those interferences so that they're just a minor annoyance every now and again, rather than a big part of our world? Yeah, I think is really important. So hopefully, we're giving you some ideas about what those interferences might be. Have a conversation with your team about it. The other piece, of course, is the accelerators. So this is the stuff that really maximises your team's performance, gets gets you there faster. You know, speeds up. The performance of your team so, so let's have a what's the first one here so the first one um i'd like to draw your attention to is efficiencies um, and that's minimizing all the bureaucracy and administration um, and standard steps that people have put into processes over the years and strip them out so be really critical ruthless. about ruthless <laughs> um, with all of that. Um, try to simplify it and create an environment with the team where you celebrate every time somebody strips out some bureaucracy or admin um, that's not adding value and is actually um, a way to increase the efficiency of the team. And it will really accelerate it. You can see teams that empower themselves um, and find extra time because they've just got rid of some bit that's been there forever. I think the, the yeah. interference, the, the opposite side of this is the cult of busy. Yes. Yeah. And so when you, when you make a deliberate decision to push against the cult of busy and being busy and proving your worth to the organization by convoluted through convoluted processes and you know always looking very very busy and then going we're going to make this as simple as possible you know it's going to be as quick and easy as possible for us to do let's create the cult of the simple <laughs> and and see what happens and and that involves some ruthless prioritization yeah saying no to mm -hmm. to more things it's particularly the stuff that kind of it gets added on that just doesn't feel like it really sits with your team or doesn't really add value in some way. Yeah. yeah. Why did you say yes? Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. does it add value or is it just something that came yeah. in somehow? So I think yeah, really thinking about how could we be more efficient as a team? How could we really focus on the things that add value? The 80-20 rule is really powerful here. You know, what are the 20% of things that make the 80% of the value for the team? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we can get on to the next one, which is all about innovation, Jenny. Yeah, big word, innovation. It is a big, big word. It's quite an overpowering word. You Overwhelming, think, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure we've yeah. got time to innovate today. Yeah. It's going to take ages. Yeah, or the organisation expects us to innovate. They must be expecting something big. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, it can be really small things, yeah. though. Um, and sometimes it's the smallest things that make huge differences. Yeah. Um, and we often talk about look for the quick wins. Yeah. Where are the quick wins where you can have a big impact on the team by innovating small improvements or changes? 
And you can think of it in terms of the tech you use. So are there new techs that could come in, new technology that would help you collaborate better or streamline the work processes you've got or communicate or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Have a look at that. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways to innovate. It's always There's always new stuff out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and get your team looking at the bleeding edge mm-hmm. to see what they could do. I often think that there's a lot of innovations to be had, less in the what you do. I mean, there's always innovations to be had there as well, yeah. right? But they, they tend to be the bigger innovations. I think this 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 realm of the quick wins can be about how you get things done on a day-to-day basis. How do you collaborate with each other? Yes. You know, what mechanisms, what, you know, h- how do you do that weekly? You know, how do you meet on a, on a Monday morning when every your, your team meeting might be? You know, how do you make sure that you're keeping it fresh? You're keeping it exciting for people. You're thinking differently and, and, and innovating in that way to collaborate really, really well. Yeah. And so how can you create conditions where people feel empowered, accountable and able to innovate? Mm. You know, so you need to give a little bit of space uh, for people to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we talked about technology in relation to innovation, but I think that this is a this is can be a massive um, accelerator as well of teams. And of course, I think it can be a real uh, interference <laughs> as well. You, it's, it's like anything, isn't it? Used poorly, it get really gets in the way. Used well, it can add so much to a team. So, I mean, a lovely example of how it could be used really well is how you measure what your team is mm. accountable for. How do you track it? You know, are you doing that manually? Are you just is it a finger in the air job? <laughs> You know, or could you be tracking it in a different way, using technology in some way? Different answers for different teams, I'm sure. But also, you know, just keeping an eye on a tech, you know, just what something that was enabling you um, and accelerating your team two years ago might now be getting in the way. So, you know, is it still fit for purpose? Are we still using it in the way it was intended? Are we, is it still working for this team? Or is it something we now need to think about differently? and innovate in that way or do we say that's enough of that technology it's no longer fit for purpose let's look at something else instead i think the danger we see with a lot of teams is that they layer technology on technology and people or people start to you know new people join the organization start to use it differently not as it was originally intended its value gets lost they didn't understand why we were using it in the first <laughs> place and so therefore what you get out of the technology the data that you get out is only as good as the data that goes into it yeah um, and it becomes, you know, pretty, pretty useless. So I think you've got to really keep an eye on technology, I think, in order to make it an accelerator. Yeah, because it's yeah. got to be fit for purpose, hasn't it? And I think, you know, understanding where our focus lies is the next one in terms of accelerators, which links back to technology too, which is why are we doing what we do? And is that still relevant for the organization? And so being really clear on our reason as a team and what's important. And then underneath that, having very clear um idea of what the results are that's expected from us and how we're going to measure them and the time scales that's involved and what resources we're going to use and we've talked about this loads haven't we you mm. can never have too much clarity it's impossible <laughs> prove me wrong i'd love you to prove me wrong but i believe as does ali that you can't give a team too much clarity it's <laughs> impossible you know keep being clear keep clarifying over and over again um, and your team will be more successful 
you know, cl and clarity comes in many ways, right? So it, it comes under why you're doing the things you're doing. So your, re your team's reason. Yeah. Are you clear on that? That's yeah. the route to motivation, ultimately. If, if people are clear on their why, they are much more likely to be motivated. Are you clear on your what? This is your results. So what are you accountable for delivering? Make that really, really clear, both at the individual level and the team level. And then how that connects to the organisation. Brilliant. And then are you clear on how you do all of that? How do you collaborate? How do you make decisions? How do you communicate with each other? And so a lot of things we've been talking about. Keep on clarifying it. Yeah. Keep on working on it. And clarify where the milestones are and the chunks, because then you can celebrate success and you can have reviews going on about, well, what have we learned and how are we going to build that in going forward? Um, and so it keeps that focus on why we're doing what we're doing and what we're doing and how we're doing against it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't have too much clarity. I hope we've said that enough now. Yeah. So laser light <laughs> focus, guys, on clarity. <laughs> it's a massive enabler, a massive accelerator of teams so um yeah that if, if you keep one word in your mind <laughs> it's clarity right even when you think everybody's clear they probably yeah, are really clear yeah. there's more you can do yeah. which takes us then on to roles and responsibilities so getting clarity on who's doing what yeah. and unless you really help people understand who's doing what in a team you know what their individual roles are and who's responsible for what Frequently, you get duplication of effort or you get stuff dropping through the cracks. But it's also a real enabler for collaboration if yeah. they've got clear roles and responsibilities, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. So just understanding what other people do in your team. It sounds really simple. And you, as a leader, we often think, well, they should know that. Yeah. You know? Why do they not? But this, this comes down to the dynamic nature of teams. Stuff changes all the time. Our roles change all the time. What we're working on changes all the time. And we can make a lot of assumptions about what other people are doing based on outdated understanding of their role. So it's easy to think that when, oh, that person was hired, this is what they brought on to do. That was communicated to me. So I know what they're doing. And actually, a year later, things have changed and their role has moved on and different priorities have happened. And so that needs to be updated all the time. You need to be having conversations about that regularly in order to keep it relevant and real. Um, otherwise, the assumptions or the outdated information takes over. And that's what we're basing it on, working relationship with that person on. Yeah. And, you know, empowering the team to talk about what they're working on, what their projects are, what their achievements are, where there's some challenges, enables that team to get much closer together. Um, and it becomes a really powerful accelerator. Yeah, really, really powerful. Another one is which is really important and massive accelerator in teams is how well you communicate with each other and how that gets done and how deliberate that is. Communication done well just oils the machine of a team. It just keeps something going that otherwise grinds to a halt in some way. Thinking about, well, what do people need to know in this team and why? Yeah, For what purpose am I communicating this to them? Am I just CCing them on everything on emails? And, and that's my way of keeping them informed of stuff. Not really thinking about whether they need to take an action or they really needed to know this right now to this level of detail. There's something really powerful about deliberate, careful communication. Yeah. That's really respectful, actually, of your colleagues. But, but actually what we see in most teams 
is pretty poor communication. It, no matter how good the relationships are, you know, this is not a symptom of, it can be, but it's not necessarily a symptom of poor relationships. It's probably just people not even thinking about it. Yeah, or not thinking about it enough. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something there about not going for the scattergun yeah. communication approach, which is everybody gets everything and you hear them saying, oh, well, we've put it on the portal or it's, you know, it's in Teams mm. or it's, you know, we've got it on Slack so people can access it. That is not communication. So thinking about what do we need to communicate to who and how and what medium do we use is really the difference here when you want to accelerate a team's performance. We're not talking about mediocre performance here. We're talking about how do you accelerate to high performance? And to do that, it needs something much more intentional about who needs what information, when do they need it, what's the best mechanism for them to get that proper communication where they can have a discussion, understand it, and make it work. Yeah. Yeah. In a world where people are being communicated to a lot, you know, we're getting so many emails, so many WhatsApp messages, so many instant messages every day, uh, plus everything else that's going on in our life beside work. You know, we're in communication overwhelm a lot of the time. And so thinking about how do you really maximise this space within your team where you've actually got a lot of control, you've got a lot of room to make agreements on how you communicate with each other really effectively so that that happens in a really targeted way. I think really, really crucial. I'm actually really respectful, I think, yeah. as well, of what other things people have got on their radar. So, yeah, really, really crucial one, I think. Yeah, and helping when you're communicating, reduce the noise and all those distractions. We talked about all the CCing, but, you know, the general flow of information that's out there is massive and so reducing that noise as much as you can so that when you are communicating with people we're using whichever mechanism um it's actually value added yeah um and is really helpful um and precise and so whilst we say you can never have too much clarity you can definitely have too much communication (laughs) or you can just have too much poor communication yes it's probably more accurate Mm. Um, The final one in the accelerators we talk about would be review and reflect Um, and finding some time where teams regularly think about what have we learned um, and how can we use what we've learned in the future to adjust what we're doing so that we can be even better. Um, It is a critical thing that doesn't happen enough. Yeah. And this is this is really about continuous improvement. It's about reviewing what you've done and making action plans about how you're going to do it differently in the future if it ever pops up again. This is a really important one in terms of the routines that you have around it. So it doesn't tend to happen well unless you create some routines to to do review and reflect well. So, for example, um, maybe after every project that you complete, you have an action review. You do maybe a stop-start continue of what, went well what didn't go so well and what would you keep for the future just an example doesn't have to be that but just creating some routines that force you to review and reflect especially if your team has a tendency to just move on to the next thing yeah because what this also forces you to do is celebrate the successes learn from i don't want to say failures because failures are never experiments the experiments that you had (laughs) the uh the challenges that you faced and, and 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 that's the way you get better and best. That's where you hone your skill as a team. 
And building that reflection and learning process actually builds a team where it's okay to say, I need help, but I don't know how to do this or something's gone really wrong. And it creates a much more positive environment about we do learn with each other so that things can do better in the future. It's a feed forward process. Um, So we're not looking for scapegoats or, you know, people to blame. It's about building a learning culture for increased high performance going forward. So those are some examples of some interferences and some accelerators more generically that your team could face. And as we said, with the um, interferences on the accelerators, you know, there's there's other things that really maximise the chances of your team succeeding. And they're probably going to be quite specific to your team as well. But I think it's also useful for us to think about the leader, you as the leader or your leader and how they can be both an accelerator and an interference at, at various times. And I think it's really important to be thinking about that impact that you're having as a leader and how you can minimise the interferences and really maximise the chance of you being an accelerator. Yeah. Let's talk specifically about the interferences that are leading. Leader. So let's give some examples. I think that brings it to life a little bit. We're going to think talk about three. Mm-hmm. So we talk about micromanaging, being a decision-making bottleneck, and tolerating poor performance and have those three these are the ones we pop up a lot in teams that we work with and observe that can you know create a a real interference in a team not intentionally no yeah no leader goes into work saying i want to do everybody's job um to get in the way and annoy them um so micromanagement comes because you know how to do the work. Yeah. Um, you probably like doing it <laughs> some of the time. And you feel potentially that that's how you're, I don't know, coaching or developing your team or getting the work done quicker. But or actually, it's about control. Or it's about control. Wanting to keep a tight control on the output of this because maybe you perceive the risk to be quite high. Maybe the risk is high. Or it needs, in your mind, it needs to be done in a certain way and your way is the right way. So, you know, there's a couple of root causes to micromanaging, both if you think about it, about the outcome being done well. You know, yeah. there's a really positive intention there of wanting to create the right outcome for the organisation. It's just that it's a style that ends up uh, often. It's one of the things when we talk to um, when we run management programmes and talk about great leaders and poor leaders, the thing that comes up the most repeatedly for poor leaders is micromanaging. Well, because what you're doing is enforcing a culture where people are not accountable for doing the work. They're not going to learn how to do it properly um, or well. And it might be different from how you would do it. Um, So you might get groupthink happening and not keeping up with the latest tech or all sorts of things. Um, So it might get stuck in the dark ages. And also, guess what? You as a leader haven't got time to get on with the other important, more strategic things that you. Could I think that's be really doing. important, really, really important, and that's yeah. really and what that's it is. stopping you being even more of an accelerator for your team. Yeah, because if you can operate more in the strategic place, spend more time with your stakeholders, spend more time enabling them, you know, yeah, they're better, right? So if you're spending too much time micromanaging, you're not have you haven't got time to do that yeah. other stuff. So one of the things to really challenge yourself on when you're wanting to move into micromanaging is 
what do I really need to know so that I don't look stupid if somebody asks me a question about what's going on here? So that idea of control and how will I know if the person who's doing the work is in trouble and needs help? So how do I get that piece of information? And it goes back to communication practices in place so that the individual will ask me if they need help and or keep me informed so I can be knowledgeable about what's going on in my organisation. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of that output thing, we're controlling the output, maybe there's a def- better way of doing this. Well, exactly. Let go of it and yeah. see what they come up with. Absolutely. Be really clear on what the output needs to be and what the non-negotiables are mm. and then give them free range to work out the rest. Yeah. With your support if it's needed. You know, so it, yeah, have an open door policy, be there and, and be available as needed but you don't need to be in it with them all the time. No. So there's, yeah, a really powerful role that we can play here as leaders to be much more, to step out of micromanaging, to let go a little bit more and to be an accelerator. Yeah. Decision-making bottlenecks. Well, this is another one that we have managers often complaining about. They've got no time, but then, and how slow decisions are. And then you look at, uh, how <laughs> making, yeah. and it's because they're all being passed to them and the first thing is to say well you're the bottleneck so why are you taking all of these decisions which ones really need to reside with you and which ones could your team be made accountable for doing yeah. and in which situations because there might be different situations or circumstances when some of those decisions should be escalated to you yeah but in other times they could take them themselves so spending a little bit of time talking to your team about what the decisions are which ones you expect them to make and maybe some of the criteria around that will enable them to grow because guess what you're making them accountable so you'll also empower um, and develop your people while freeing up and speeding up the decision making process in the organization there's also quite a bit of research about uh, the quality of decisions that are made by just one person on their own. And actually, group decision making, so you're, yeah, for example, your team making a decision together, outperforms decisions made by one oh, person alone. Person. So are you, are you, whilst you're making all the decisions and you know people are ringing you up on your holiday because you're the only person who can make a particular decision, you know, are you actually also making the right ones? Yeah, question mark, don't know. One to think about. Challenge yourself, you know, could you bring in some different perspectives? And the last one we talk about is tolerating poor performance. So, you know, that can really get in the way of um, teams accelerating towards high performance is when some individuals in the team are not pulling their weight, either because they don't have the knowledge and skills or because maybe their motivation is dropped. Or they've lacked lacking clarity and some, there's all sorts of reasons for Mm. poor performance happening. And it's the leader's responsibility to address that. You know, ultimately, we'd like a team to get to the point where they hold each other accountable for the performance of the team. But there's only so much a team can do to address poor performance. And so and the team are usually, if not always, looking to the leader to see what action they will take. Yeah. And what can happen a lot, but just because they're really nice people is that poor performance can either be ignored um, or, or 
you know, it's addressed half-heartedly. So you know, a leader thinks they've had a conversation with somebody about it, but actually nothing's changed and it's still happening. And so they haven't followed through on that. Yeah. You know, they've, they've had the one conversation, they found it hard and, you know, nothing's, nothing's changed. They don't know what to do next. Yeah. So think about how you give the feedback to the person, because there's been several situations where we've gone in to talk to a person about, um, you know, their performance to help coach them because the leader has apparently told them several times and nothing's changed. But actually for them, this is the first time they've heard the message. So think about how you're communicating um, that there is a performance issue to people. And we would recommend using something like the Situation Behaviour Impact Model, SBI, which is really quite objective, factual, simple, um, to help people be really clear about where their performance isn't meeting the mark. And remember, as much as it you might not realise it, um, on a day-to-day basis, your team is paying attention to how you deal with performance issues in the team. They notice, they know when someone's not pulling their weight, they know when someone's performance is off um, and they're waiting for you to do something about it. Uh, They're watching. And so if you don't deal with it, you're actually in danger of demotivating other people in your team. This is not just one person that you're talking about here, this is everybody. And losing your own credibility too, because the team will be going, huh, still not done anything about that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, why should I do extra yes. when they're getting away with whatever? Exactly. So um, you're not doing anybody any favours by not dealing with it. No, not at all. Including the person who's not performing well. So many of the times they just need some extra help in one way or yeah. another. And so by sitting down and having a good conversation with them about their performance is the start to bringing them back into the fold and getting them up to high performance where they'll feel much better too. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this uh, podcast. Um, so we've talked about interferences and accelerators for team performance. So accelerators are anything which speeds up the performance of your team and an interference is anything which gets in the way. And of course, us as leaders, we can also be both of these things. So it's about thinking about how you can minimise the interferences that you might be um, playing Uh, for your team and how you can maximize the the accelerator effect that you can have on the team as well see you soon see you soon 